Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wallet Street, the podcast um, version of the newsletter where I talk about money, crypto, tech, and everything else that sparks intellectual curiosity. As always, you can subscribe to the newsletter at walletstreet.squarespace.com, or you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, as a reminder, the disclaimer that opinions are my own and none of the content on the podcast constitutes financial, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice. So now that we have the boring stuff out of the way, I want to get to the topic for today, which is eating healthy. And the guest I have today is Olga Afonsky. Um, she's nutritionist extraordinaire, and I'll get more into how she helped me over the past year um, really help with some of the eating and nutrition um, and digestion issues I was having. But I'm really excited to have her on, and we're just going to talk about different aspects of eating healthy and some of the, um, I guess, uh, challenges that could come with that. I think it's a new year. I mean, I guess it's end, mid or end of February already, but everyone always, it seems like at the beginning of a new year has new resolutions. And given the tough winter that we've all had, um, it I think it's a, a topic that's um, top of mind for a lot of people. So I'll intro um, Olga. A little bit. She's a nutritionist, like I said, based in Washington, D.C., but Olga, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add um, before we start going into questions. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, so I am in Washington, D.C., and I'm li licensed in D.C. and Maryland, but my practice is 100% online, so my doors are open pretty much everywhere. <laughs> One of the benefits of the, of the pandemic, I guess. <laughs> it's all virtual. That's right. I did transition during the pandemic uh, to being 100% online, and it's working out really, really well for me and for my clients. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely made it easier for me when I was um, working with you to just hop on the phone and do mm -hmm. some some virtual calls. Um, before, so before we launch into some some questions. Um, I thought it was interesting. I did a poll with some friends on Instagram, or I posted on my Instagram and asked people to answer what was the hardest part for them of eating healthy. And there were four options. Um, one being uh, it's expensive, you know, particularly like organic or non-GMO, grass-fed, all of that can be pricey. Um, only about 10% or less than 10% answered with that. The second was cooking takes time. Um, about a third of people responded with that. And um, the third answer was uh, cravings are my kryptonite. So just battling cravings is really hard. That was about half of all respondents. And then the last option was um, none. I find it easy, which I don't know who those people are, but I'm very envious. Um, that was only about 10%. So um, as a starting point for this, I think when I re initially reached out to you, I was actually really focused on the issue of affordability and, and eating healthy and how that, you know, in relating to some of the stuff I post about money and tech, about, you know, it can be expensive to, to buy food um, that's healthy or, or fresh. Um, and what's funny is in these answers, I guess that's really not top of mind, at least for the set of people that I, that I sampled, I think there's probably a larger issue in, in the country. And unfortunately, right now, my podcast probably isn't reaching that group. Um, so I'm very aware of the, uh, 
the audience listening or the, the current audience is, is probably more, a little bit more privileged or has higher income and is able to think about buying fresh fruits and vegetables without thinking first about the paycheck, right? Like that's not the first thing. But before we go into other aspects of eating healthy, I just did want to ask you what your thoughts are, are on about it. What are ideas about eating healthy where you can eat healthier for not as much money? Um, I don't know. Does that ever come up in your sessions with patients? Right. Well, um, me as well. I work mostly with people who can't afford to buy mm-hmm. um, good quality food. So my uh, audience is not uh, uh, the the people who struggle really. And I know that there's a, a lot of people who uh, who struggle to put food on the table. Uh, put aside the, the, the actually healthy food. So that's might not even be on top of their mind. Uh, although I'm sure that if you have a family, if you are raising kids, you're trying to feed your family healthy as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess for these, for uh, anybody, but for people who are really having a hard time uh, putting healthy food on the table, my uh, recommendation would be maybe buying things like dried beans and lentils in bulk. These things last a long time. Or some grains can last, uh, like white rice can last a long time. Uh, And so if you're buying those things in bulk and then cooking them, that reduces the cost for meals significantly. You know, but... uh, um, for people who are who can't afford to buy fruits and vegetables and are trying to go mostly organic or how to figure out which foods are better organic versus it's okay not to buy organic there's a really good resource that's uh, it's a, a website that's called um it's it's a ewg i don't know if you're familiar with this it's uh no, but I can post it as well on the website. Right. Um, and now uh, environmental work group, that's what it stands for. And they test the foods for, you know, pesticides and the, all kinds of chemicals. And they, they have been doing it uh, for a very long time. So they always run and update their lists of fruits and vegetables that are, they call them a dirty dozen. So these basically, you really want to buy those organic as much as possible. And then they have uh, a, a clean 15 lists mm-hmm. of fruits and vegetables that just by the, I guess the way they grow, they don't require as much pesticides or as much uh, whatever other chemicals that they need to use to grow them. So you can, and you you are okay buying them um, conventional, not organic. Mm-hmm. And that definitely reduces the overall cost of, uh, of your groceries if you uh, don't have to go all organic, right? Yeah. And overall, I really like the, the way I like to think about the food or, or eating or healthy lifestyle, healthy eating is like there's good, better, best, right? Mm-hmm. And, some ta- and, and where are where we are? This is our starting point. And you can always start taking small steps in the right direction, making it gradually and slowly better for you, okay? There's no need to 
strive for perfection or try to buy all organic or oh my god or i'm not eating healthy if i'm not eating everything organic no it's not necessarily like that it's uh you know making small adjustments uh that will make a big difference like um one of my other favorite adjustments would be making your own salad dressing. Uh, the conventionally made salad dressings usually use really poor quality oils. And it is important for our health. The quality of oils does matter a lot. So making your own salad dressing takes two minutes and you can use olive oil and uh you know and and it lasts you can make a lot at a time and have it sitting in your pantry for a couple of weeks and using it uh gradually right it, it's super super fast and super easy and will make a huge difference health-wise in my opinion that's actually a great point it reminds me of my grandmother used to always make dressing and then she would make it once for like three weeks at a time and it would just sit there in the fridge <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah you can you can definitely do that and I like your um, I mean I think this is one of the things I really liked about when we worked together in the, in the fall and is this good better best um, you know idea because um, I was really struggling with not being like doing the perfect diet or what I needed to do. And I remember there were a couple of times where you told me it's okay. Like you don't have to be yeah. 100% on at, all the time. Um, and just making, uh, yeah, like smaller changes or, you know, I think when we first started, you were like, let's just focus on breakfast to start. And then we'll work on like the other meals, you know, or like, we'll just start with the beginning of the day first. So, and that was really helpful because I think it can be very overwhelming to do a cold turkey switch from That's one true. habit to the other. And it makes it a lot harder to sustain for sure. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. before, I mean, there's tons more I want to go, go into. Um, and definitely like this poll had said, it seems like cravings and also taking cooking, taking time are a really big factor for people. So I do want to go more into that, but can we take a step back, back and just, I'm curious, um, since we worked together, like what got you interested in this field? Um, and how did you come to become a licensed nutritionist? Oh, um, Right. So I, um, I'm uh, originally from Russia, from Moscow, and I grew up really with a very strong orientation toward um, natural health, mm -hmm. uh, you know, healthy eating, physical movement, uh, being out in nature. And I guess maybe, maybe most importantly, I always had the sense of responsibility that for my own health right? Mm -hmm. that, that, that I can make a big difference the way I live my life. Uh, it, it would be the biggest uh, um, kind of contributing factor toward my overall health. Um, the current nutrition is not my first career. I, I used to be a graphic designer. Oh. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, Two, uh, I have kid, I have three kids, and two of my three kids had some kind of not bad, but uh, chronic health issues that I was trying to solve with uh, uh, all kinds of different approaches. And conventional medicine didn't really have much to offer, and so I started looking more into 
alternative or complementary medicine, herbal medicine. And the more I learned about it, the, the more kind of interesting it became. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was the kind of a big life change. Uh, we, we used to live in France, then we moved back here to, to the States. And that was a great opportunity for me to go and get my master's degree in nutrition. I was also very interested in herbal medicine and was taking a lot of classes on herbal medicine, but uh, decided to go with nutrition as my main um, career. Yeah, and that was, that was uh, a lot of fun. It was difficult. It was a lot more difficult than I expected to, to, to study, to get a master's degree. But uh, yeah, that was fun. What, um, what do patients now commonly come to you for? Like, what do you find to be the most common questions that you get or um, issues that you try to help them solve? Well, um, I used to work with a medical doctor. Uh, we still do work together. So I was getting a lot of referrals for all kinds of different issues. And that was a very good kind of boot camp training. <laughs> um, now I'm focusing more and more my uh, my practice into weight loss and specifically um, you know working with women who have been on this dieting roller coaster for years and years and lost and gained and lost and gained and so I guess the biggest uh, concern or the problem that uh, these people are trying to solve is how can I lose weight in a sustainable way? Uh, so that I lose it and I keep it off. Mm -hmm. And g going back to, again, this poll that I did, um, it seems like the time that it t can take to eat healthy, you know, rather than going out and eating fast food to cook at home, or also just if you've eaten a certain way for a long time and are used to a lot of sugar and salt and fat content, it can be hard to pare back. How do you help people through those two issues or are there actually other challenges? Maybe I'm um, being too, leading the question too much. What are, what are the main challenges to that, to the, to being more sustainable? Well, um, in my opinion, um, or what I see in my clients, uh, what happens very often is that uh, again, people um, make a huge change, right? They, mm -hmm. they, they're either eating the way they're eating, whatever unhealthy foods are present in their diet, and then they decide to make uh, a shift and to go on a diet or to lose weight, whatever, uh, however they call it. And they make this change and they make it so dramatic, so drastic that, uh, that it's really hard to, um, stick to you know it's too overwhelming it's too different from what they have been doing and uh, they don't give themselves enough time to adjust uh, to to change their habits to be kind of uh, kind to themselves if you want uh, going through the process and and then they you know there's either a bump in the road or um, they just get exhausted of doing this because it's so drastically different and they stop okay and what they go back to their old patterns of their <laughs> to their old eating habits yeah it's um 
a pattern that I've definitely felt myself like I've tried a lot of different things I did like whole 30 for a while which is like I mean that wasn't really great and then you know I I managed to do it I think for a couple weeks like a few years back but then immediately after you quote unquote stop it's like you go totally back to where I was before and then you feel bad because you like gain more weight or you just like don't feel good about yourself and then you kind of like go through this cycle I mean I think I can say I've had a lot of friends similarly that have gone through a lot of this as well. So it seems to be fairly common, particularly in, in women. I don't know, actually, this is just coming to mind if there's a difference there between um, the pressures of, of women and men not to make it gendered. But um, I'm curious if you've noticed that as well. Like, why is it particularly hard with, with women? Uh I, you know, it's, it's hard to tell. And I don't really want to want to generalize and go into some uh, areas that could be <laughs> potentially uh, sensitive. Um, I think it's very individual. And I'm sure that there are men who have tried losing weight uh, uh, just as many times as women did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, I do see women more frequently. Uh, there, I think women maybe are a little bit, a little bit more open to reaching out for help mm-hmm. in this department. So uh, I know more about uh, why, like the specific women's issues around this, uh, the weight loss. Yeah. So um, has has any of this changed dramatically during? Uh, COVID or during the pandemic, have you noticed a change in what patients have been saying since, I guess it's been about a year now? Right, Um, right. Well, you know, um, I actually would say that it's been better because I have some people I, I work with for a long time. So I have some patients now currently who I've started working even before COVID and it was harder for those people to deal with the process because there was a lot of uh, social eating and drinking, a lot of social interactions uh, and you know, it foods brought to work, parties, cakes, you name it. Oh my God, the office like cupcakes that come in for someone's birthday or like, oh, those are the worst. Those are, I, I, I mean, I always ate those because you're tired, it's like 3 p.m., you need like a boost of sugar and it's just sitting in front of your face. Like, how could you not eat it? It's That's torture. Right. It's almost, I mean, it's torturous, really. That's right. That's right. I understand. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely less of that. Mm -hmm. And it for, uh, many people are telling me that it's actually a little bit easier to be at home in a totally controlled environment. Yeah. Now there are some other issues that come with this, uh, uh, you know, a lack of so- social interactions and loneliness for some people, especially if you're living by yourself. So, so there are some other issues that came up and kind of mental, emotional states or health um, can play a significant role in our cravings, our emotional eating, uh, all those things. Yeah. But, uh, in, but, you know, these are, if you want, these are in a go-to um, ways of soothing ourselves or, or helping deal with difficult emotions and discomfort. And if food is one of those ways, right, so then potentially 
it has been harder for these people because uh, there there's more stress right now <laughs> for yes. me. And so uh, we when we're stressed or anxious, we tend to reach out to comfort foods. So yeah, that that is definitely present as well. Well, one of the I guess yeah silver linings of COVID for when I was working on on health this past year is like, I can cook a little bit more at home, right? It's a little bit easier because you're right there. You can have something like a big thing that I learned from you was making broths and home broths. And I still do that. And Mm -hmm. it's easy to just have it on the stove while you're there and you can kind of cook all day, but, or you can get dinner going. But even then, like if you get, start to get busy at work or I can, you know, I don't have kids of my own, but I imagine someone who has kids, especially young kids that have to be like, you know, where you have to really be um, taking care of them all the time. Um, I mean, how do you help people where time is really a constraint in particular in preparing and cooking? Well, right. (laughs) Right. Time is, you know, way we, uh, I guess we all can uh, wish we had more of, right? Nobody, yeah, uh, uh, just a little more time would be always very, very helpful. And, uh, you know, because I work with many people, and like you said, there are some people who they have uh, a job and uh, really they need to take care of themselves. And then there are some other of my clients have a very challenging and time-consuming job and little kids and, you know, all kinds of other things. And you can see how people can manage if you want somewhat independently of what they have on their plate it uh, a lot of the times again it's uh, it's your priority right it's making something a priority and uh um i don't know i, I don't have that many clients who work uh 16 hours a day um and and if that becomes super important making good food for yourself and for your kids then we discuss we talk about different ways to make it a little bit easier right maybe you cook in batches and then if you're okay some people are totally fine eating uh the same stew or the same soup for a couple of um lunches in a row. Some people don't like that. So maybe you can freeze a portion of the food that you cooked in a big uh, quantity and then you freeze uh, some of that food away for later use. And again, soups and stews freeze super, super well. They are not going to lose the the kind of the quality or the nutritional quality or the taste of flavor if you freeze it. Uh, They're some uh, uh, pretty cool ideas like salads in a jar. That's a concept that you can make your own salads on the weekend. Um, and they're kind of like very sauce, sturdy, good solids, uh, solid salads <laughs> that you can, um, that could be a whole lunch, right? And you can prepare and have four or five uh, salads ready for you to grab for lunch. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you're ready to go, not much time. Uh, that you need during the, the work hours to uh, devote to the, the foods. Then the, another uh, other options, there are some pretty good food delivery 
companies like Territory Foods, for example. I like uh, working with Territory Foods. They have pretty good options uh, to meet many different uh, dietary needs of, uh, of all kinds of sorts, uh, dairy-free or nut-free or you know, low-carb, vegetarian, you name it. So, so there are um, a lot of options there. Um, yeah, so cooking in big batches, I think, is a great approach. Uh, and then if that is not available, then maybe looking uh, and figuring out what type of um, food services could be available or affordable. Another way, I guess, you could cut time down is is um, if grocery delivery is an option. I mean, I... I'm a little partial to picking out my own food. I don't know. There's something I find like actually going to the grocery store very, like it's a nice break for me, but I know some people who like really don't like to go to the grocery store. So I guess delivery is another option. Um, you know, I think, uh, the chop, like preparing is always a little bit time consuming, like the chopping and the peeling and the, <laughs> the, like if you have to wash your vegetables, um, that can be like, for me, that tends to be some, sometimes where I'm like, oh, I just don't want to like prep everything. But I've started to like kind of multitask where I'm on the phone at the same time, or I don't know, just trying to get something done at the same time. Um, and then also the other part is one person sent me a message and was like, you didn't put on your poll the, that dishes, would, that doing dishes is a part of the reason I don't like to cook or eat healthy. And I was like, actually, it's a great point. But doing dishes can also become a bit um, monotonous after a while. It's, uh, I don't know. I started just putting everything in the dishwasher and not really caring. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, and, and um, I think a lot of it is about our kind of uh, perspective, like how you think about those things. Yeah, who, I mean, most people don't like doing the dishes, but hey, that's... Uh, uh, or could you think about it as, well, that's a small price to pay for having a delicious uh, home-cooked meal, uh, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe, you know, uh, it does take a lot of time uh, um, chopping the vegetables for sure, prepping the food before you st even start cooking it, but we have so much uh, of our time that we spent in our heads and we, it, it, you might use that time as kind of your downtime or, you know, uh, getting something done with your hands can be distressing for many people. If you mm -hmm. think about it as a, hey, this is my break. I, uh, it could be, you know, time spent, exploring and creating and exploring new recipes, new flavors and how to combine them, bringing uh, a spark of creativity into cooking could make a huge difference uh, from the standpoint of how you think about it and whether or not you want to continue doing it or whether it's annoying on, uh, and oh my God, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Well, that, that's actually a good point because I was going to ask what, when you get in recipe ruts, what do you recommend people who have very specific dietary needs or if you're trying to cut out certain things? Um, you know, it's not always been easy. Like there is a, you know, for, if you're trying to cut out like a bunch of stuff, finding a recipe that meets all those things plus is tastes good 
is not always like the easiest thing to find. Um, I mean, a lot of times I've just found recipes like that have dairy, but then I just don't put the dairy in it if it's as long as it's not like a key part of the recipe or same with like if I wanted to make something vegetarian, I look for a dish that, you know, like, I don't know, some stir fry or whatever, but I just don't put meat in it. Uh, what do you recommend for people? That sounds, yeah, I mean, that sounds great. This is a creative approach, right? You can, you know, sometimes you have your favorite recipes that require the ingredients that for whatever reason you are trying to avoid at this point, at this point, maybe temporary, maybe for the rest of your life. I don't know. Uh, and so, especially if it's for the rest of your life, something you were all of a sudden become allergic to, you have to find comparable substitutes. Uh, uh, how do you make, I don't know, uh, you know, gluten is, is a very common uh, ingredient that people for various reasons are trying to avoid. Uh, fortunately, there's a ton of resources right now that, uh, uh, let you that, that have recipes that are delicious, really truly delicious, and use um, uh, flour substitutes or gluten-free flours. I I think it's yes, it it's an effort. It does take uh, some time to discover your favorite websites, uh, cooking uh, platforms or cooking websites, but there's so many out there mm -hmm. at this point. And, and that will, uh, you know, uh, incorporate the, the gluten-free, the dairy-free, the nut-free, the, you name it, you know, egg-free, uh, and, and they let you search by ingredients as well. Uh, one of my favorite mm, websites is Elena's Pantry. Uh, she's one of the first really uh, food bloggers who started doing uh, gluten-free uh, her first book was gluten-free cupcakes, right? So she was into baking and was trying to uh, come up with recipes, gluten-free recipes of comfort foods. Uh, and and now she she's a big, you know, she's got a huge website with all kinds of alternatives, and you can search by this diet or that diet with the, with this or that ingredient. So so yeah, uh, check her out. I think she's really really good. Um, but it does take, you know, I know that if you're trying to just take some ingredients out you might feel like, Hey, my diet is so boring now. Oh my God. Uh, but it doesn't have to be, it's really, it's in your hands to make it more interesting and more creative, but you, you kind of need to look for. Uh, substitutes. I, I mean, I offer some help and some resources depending on uh, my client's particular needs, but I know that they're there, those resources. How about um, going more into like the cravings or substituting cravings? I think that's a really common, I know I've really encountered that where you try to eat healthy, but then like you go to the supermarket. Um, I mean, yesterday I was at Costco and I mean, it was, and I was kind of hungry, you know, when you're like, you're not starving, but you're like starting to get hungry and you're just like looking at all the, I'm like, like there were like goldfish and cheeses and I just was like ready to go to town. But like, I just like literally had to put my, I literally walked in the aisle with my hand to the side of my face and was like, just don't, just don't look like focus on what you're here for. <laughs> it is really, really hard. Um, 
And so I try to make it a rule to not go to the grocery store hungry. There you go. <laughs> That's not always possible. But any other tips, because if I have any of that food in the house, like it will be gone in a day. I, I have zero ability for self-control. Um, so I just don't, I cannot buy it. Um, I'm not one of those people who can just have like a half box of Oreos. And here's another, another trick that you just, you yourself, you bring it up. Yeah. Don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Don't go through the aisles where you know they're going to have those, uh, your trigger foods, right? Yeah. Uh, don't bring those trigger foods home. <laughs> so, so there you go. Uh, yeah, just in this uh, two minute conversation, there are already three ideas of how to address those cravings. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it's cravings are super individual. I think, I think it's uh, helpful to know your trigger foods and just like really uh, just write them down, journal about them, right? Like which ones, uh, which foods are really hard for you to stay away from and know those foods. And, and then um, you can choose to, you know, go through temporary, detoxes from those foods right and putting a little bit of time between you and the craving and the food you're craving uh usually helps with the, uh, reducing the the craving so you you kind of you know that you're not saying no to those foods for the rest of your life you're just saying uh, it's a temporary it's your choice a right you choosing to to do this and you are uh, kind of temporary putting a distance between yourself and your triggered foods. You still can food plant, can eat plenty of other foods to your so that to, to make sure that you are satisfied and satiated, so you're not hungry, right? A lot of the times, people are trying to when people are trying to lose weight, they're trying to not only uh, avoid the, their trigger foods, but also eat less and so they're putting themselves through this really difficult situation where they're hungry and they're trying to avoid the foods <laughs> their their favorite foods in addition to not feeding themselves enough so that becomes really really difficult um there are all kinds of interesting mental hacks or tricks to deal with those uh food cravings and uh yeah, we, we go into a lot of a lot more details uh, uh, during the consultation and, and kind of depending on your individual needs and uh, the, the, the different techniques that might be more effective. I, I mean, I have definitely found like to your point, putting distance, like the less sugar you eat or the less like potato chips or snacks, the less you start to crave that, like it definitely, right? Uh -huh. But but still, even if I don't eat it for a while, like I just, a chocolate bar will always taste better to me than a, like a fresh piece of fruit, even though, you know, it's just very, um, I don't know. It's, it's very hard to not, to break that habit, um, that, you know, is kind of ingrained in you. Um, no, these are your food preferences and there's nothing wrong about, uh, liking a particular food. It's, uh, uh, it depends on how that food affects your body or what happens when you start eating it there. You know, again, that's why I'm saying it's super individual and it's, uh, 
it's okay that you like chocolate more than fruits. There's nothing wrong. And you can certainly have some chocolate in your life. Why not? <laughs> well, it was like, I remember at some point I had to try to cut out dairy or like see what uh-huh. it was like. And I remember just being like, there's no way that I can, like, I love cheese so much. It's my favorite f- food, I think. Uh-huh. I when you were like, okay, let's just try it for two weeks. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I really thought that that was like climbing Mount Everest. And actually it was, I will say that I have cut, mostly cut it out and it is a lot easier than I thought. Um, Right. That's right. So it's how we talk to ourselves that about our, those foods and those preferences. Like if we tell ourselves that, oh, there's no way I can ever do this, then guess what? (laughs) <laughs> that makes it a little bit more difficult. Well, one of the things you, you made it helpful, you were like, can you just try it for a week? Like, just do a week. And yeah. even that, at that point, was like, oh my God. Like, I don't know. That yeah. seems hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it did. I guess it is helpful um, once you get through it to you realize you don't need it as much as you thought. Right. And you, you learn, again, this bringing the curiosity and kind of, um, coming into this from the let's see what happens uh, let me try why not we can do whatever we want for a short period of time even if we have to face those uh, uh, things that we think that are not realistic but if we're only committing to a short period of time uh, it's a lot easier and then once we do that for a short period of time a lot of the times people are saying what exactly what you're saying huh I thought it would be harder. <laughs> oh, interesting. It's actually doable. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I wanted to um, also talk about a little bit of the mental, like you mentioned, kind of mental habits or mental frameworks that can help with weight loss. And one of the things, I mean, I think if I'm being honest, although I don't necessarily always want to talk about this, is like I, I do think there's a big part of mental health in um, interlaced with weight loss. I know for myself, like there's a big kind of cycle that you can go through of like, you know, I wish I was skinnier. If I was skinnier, I would like be happier, like more people would like me or blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, if you don't meet that goal, then you are, I don't know, at least for me, you kind of cycle into, well, why aren't you, you're not trying hard enough. You're not pushing yourself, you know, you're not doing well enough. Um, look at everyone else on Instagram who's like in these tiny bikinis and they all look great. And there's, I mean, it's a really hard cycle to, um, break out of and, or to, to try to overcome. Um, I mean, I saw a lot of, I've seen friends deal with, uh, different eating disorders or where it gets really extreme. Um, I mean, how do you, like, how do you think about that when you're helping someone, um, go through this process? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge part of the process. So I can't uh, emphasize more how important the mindset and all these, you know, our belief systems and the way we talk to you ourselves, right? And the, the, these conversations that we're having with ourselves being hard. A lot of, many of my clients think that uh, they in order to be kind of more committed and, and stay on the diet, they need to be hard on themselves. Uh, and that just doesn't work. 
bringing a little bit more friendliness and kindness to ourselves usually works a lot more, uh, uh, a lot better. Um, and yeah, you know, weight loss is kind of there. There's a big part that's about food. There's another big part that's about the environment and setting up your environment. But the mindset and your and um, the mind part of the weight loss is huge. It's really big, and that's why a lot of the times it takes so so much time to change. So what are your thoughts? Little things we do to ourselves too. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's hard. I mean, what are your thoughts about like something like? Um, and this just came to mind is like weighing yourself because that was like, I used to do that a lot and that's just like horrible. Like I always felt shitty afterwards. Um, and finally I found, I mean, I, now I use this exercise app that I really love because this woman, she, her name's Kayla, it's i it's Ines, but she really focuses on like, don't weigh yourself, just exercise and eat well and focus more on how you're feeling and like how your clothes fit and, and stuff like that. And really not about the number what's what is your approach to that or on the other hand I could if you're really in need of maybe losing weight for medical reasons or health reasons like maybe you do need that maybe for some people that helps them I don't know yeah I mean it's it's true many of my clients the number that they see on that tiny little box on the floor um affects their mood so oh yeah oh, <laughs> I could have the best day in the world and then you sit stand on that and it's like it, that all went out the window and now I hate myself right for sure and and it's uh you know the difference might be like uh, a matter of one pound one pound more and they're uh in disarray and they're they're you know feeling really bad about themselves unfortunately it's true and and I have had some clients with whom we, we just we just didn't do the weighing, you know, for a very long time until the person was ready, okay? Until, and in, in really focused on self-care and eating healthy and eating to nourish ourselves, to feed the body in a, in a, in a way that works, gradually adjusting the habits. And then she knew she was losing weight and that's when she was ready to finally get on the scale. And she said, and it was her own. I never pushed her. She said, okay, now I'm ready. Now I, I'm curious to see what the number is. Um, I do, if people don't have such a strong reaction to the number on the scale, some people don't. Some people are a little bit more kind of matter of fact about it. Um, I do like using the scale as a way of uh, very quick feedback, if you want, to the program, right? Because we are creating this new program for, for the person who's trying to lose weight. And uh, weighing uh, once a week or so is the, the most kind of efficient way to know, is this program enough? Mm -hmm. uh, the changes that we have made, is this enough? Is it taking them in the direction of their goals? Is, uh, uh, and uh, is, it the, is the weight releasing fast enough, right? So if it's 
if it's the if the answer is yes, then we don't really need to make the program any harder than it already is or any more different, right? We don't need to um, engage any other tricks and any other changes, any other uh, kind of, uh, yeah, tools, use other tools. But if the scale doesn't budge, right? If the scale says, yeah, same thing, then we need to get, again, get creative and, and think, okay, what else can we do? How else can we budge the, uh, uh, nudge the body to, to start, uh, start finally release the weight? And that's, that's a very quick feedback that we can get by just standing on the scale, right? If you go by the way the clothes fit or the way you look in the mirror, that takes a little longer. It still can work, right? I, would, I wouldn't really make anybody go on the scale if they don't want to go on the scale, if they really have in a strong negative relationship with that box, but it's helpful. It's definitely, um, it can make the process a little faster, yeah. I think so. Well, it's interesting you bring up clothes because I, I use that more because I have such a negative relationship with, with the scale. Um, but the clothes also, I don't know if your clients have experienced this, but for me, for sure, if there's like a favorite piece of clothing that I've like loved to wear that like suddenly feels a little tight or does not fit as comfortably as it used to, it like that will also send me in a little bit of a spiral. Um, and then, you know, I'll have friends or family be like, well, just throw that piece of clothing out and I'm like no <laughs> I want to wear it <laughs> yeah I want to wear that um even though I bought it like 10 years ago how come it still doesn't fit uh so I don't know what <laughs> I'm just personally asking for myself here but like what do you recommend for that like do you just say like you know what maybe yeah your wardrobe is not going to be the same as it was when you were in college just well, that's okay <laughs> Well, that's one way of thinking about it. Or you can maybe visualize yourself in that your favorite piece of clothing, whatever that is, uh, uh, your skinny jeans or a dress that looks so good on you and you can see yourself and you can get like a very creative, again, like imagine yourself wearing it and people are looking at you and complimenting you. Bring it up, this this feel good emotion from from wearing this clothes and use it as a motivation to get there mm -hmm. okay instead of feeling bad about not being able to use it as hey this is where i want to be that's the uh that's what i would like to wear um the summer or you know <laughs> I don't know, but this is, you know, there are all kinds of different ways we can talk uh, about things and reframe the way we think about things that could be a little bit more helpful, that can give you more choices versus fewer choices, you know? And uh, again, that's like uh, uh, super individual work if you want. What's um, your like take on, one of the things I think all of us have done, or not, maybe not all of us, I shouldn't say, but during the pandemic is, is drinking. <laughs> and um, I think mine personally, because of less going out and socializing, like you mentioned, has probably decreased. But, um, you know, is there a way to substitute that that you suggest or good ideas? I mean, I just, 
always I remember if I tried to not drink going out to bars it's like it was always just so sad to like order this like sad little diet coke or (laughs) water um at a bar and I mean I guess people aren't really doing that as much right now but and there are new things coming out like new non-alcoholic beverages that I think are starting to a little bit enter the market but what do you suggest is or if people enjoy like at the end of the day you know I had a long day at work I just want to have one beer or one glass of wine to relax is there a good substitute um that you I personally don't think that there's anything wrong with one glass of wine Mm -hmm. to be honest with you okay the 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 problem is that that I hear from my clients is that it's actually really hard to stop after one glass of wine. There's one glass of wine, then there's two, of course. And then after two, you're already tipsy enough that there's even more. So that- Well, then you're like, the bottle's almost finished. I might as well. Right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And it won't be there tomorrow. (laughs) That's what I tell myself sometimes. So that's, you know, so one glass of wine, if you're uh, uh, the kind of person who can just enjoy a glass of wine with dinner and that tastes good and, and feels good, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that health-wise, okay? But if the relationship is not quite that, it's it's more of a, okay, if I have one, then I need to have two. And when there's two, there's maybe even more and definitely more eating, by the way. Mm-hmm. Many people kind of don't yeah, realize that with uh, getting slightly tipsy or slightly kind of more relaxed that that you tend to munch a little more so (laughs) um then um there again there are all kinds of different approaches right you can you can start creating uh uh kind of schedules that work for you what what might be a better way you know or focusing on how else can i uh relax and reward myself at the end of the day to not to limit my choices but to give myself more choices what else would be a good way to relax or transition between work uh desk to the non-work i know (laughs) going from like one part of the house to the other or like for some of us you know it's like same room how do I go from my desk to the couch that are like two feet away <laughs> like yeah kind of demarcate the day but that's actually an interesting point that I never thought about like maybe there's a different way to signal the end of the work day and exactly creating your own ways of letting your body your mind know hey this I'm done with work let me do whatever that routine is something that really works for you right and it has to resonate with you you have to enjoy it it's got to be something enjoyable otherwise you're just not going to do it like I recently realized that I need that transition as well and I picked up and I started doing short uh yoga sessions just really more of a stretching and relaxing uh but could be you know 30 minute uh, uh yoga session before i go into the rest of the house and start cooking dinner and interact with my family and i'm you know i know that i'm a much more pleasant person to be around with when i do my yoga session <laughs> versus not <laughs> And, you know, what else could serve that uh, function 
um, that needs to, to have that transition or to have something that feels good, that is self-care, that, uh, uh, you know, kind of, that qualifies and feels like I am taking care of myself. I'm, this feels good. This feels good. And, you know, in the body and in the mind. Um, that's a, yeah, great, great advice. Um, maybe that's a better approach than trying to force like a, a dry January where I don't know if you've heard of like people doing like the month of January where they don't drink to recover from all the holidays before. <laughs> right. Very cold turkey approach. Cold, yeah, cold turkey for a whole month. It's, you know, it works for some people. It might be a little bit too hard. If that's too hard for you, hey, Maybe a better approach is a no wine Monday, you know, or no no wine Monday and Tuesday. Start small and be successful with that and feel good about achieving something and then make another step in the direction that you want to go, that you choose to go versus pushing yourself through something that's, uh, again, a too difficult like we already talked about how that's the <laughs> in my opinion the mistake that most people most dieters or most of my clients come to me and uh, and that, that's what pushes them to start and stop and start and stop whatever healthy habits they're, they're trying to acquire well this has been super helpful i guess as we start to um, wrap up what um, what's your favorite kind of part of the process in working as a nutritionist or, or least favorite part of the process um, in working with people oh um, <laughs> well I you know I really enjoy connecting with people and having a good relationship you know I'm very kind of building this trust building this rapport with my clients um, and you know uh, People are different and it doesn't always work out. So when it doesn't work out and uh, uh, I don't, yeah, that, that's my, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> um, anything that you know now, having done this, um, I guess for, for a while now, I actually didn't ask how, how long you've been a nutritionist, but um, that you wish you had known at the start when you were building your, your practice or starting out? Ah, well, I wish I knew how much, well, I wish I knew a little bit more about the business side of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, I just, I knew that I would have to market myself somehow, but I had no idea how much mm -hmm. <laughs> of my <laughs> time is going to have to be, uh, and, and, you know, effort and uh, knowledge of uh, running a business, how uh, that it would be a huge part of that, that whole process, yeah. Yes, well, I, <laughs> I find that, I mean, it's shocking because I think you did, I mean, with me, like it was a fantastic help. I helped avoid, I was about, I mean, my doctor was basically going to recommend surgery as like the next thing. And I was like, mm -hmm. I really, really, really didn't want to do that. So working with you, I mean, really, I think helped me. And I think I, you know, I thought about this. I was really averse for a long time to going to nutritionist. Like I was very tough on myself about it. I think similarly mm -hmm. to like, it took me a long time to go to therapy. It was like kind of this, I mean, clearly I have this problem of uh, parts of my life, very tough on myself. Like you can do this on your own. Why do you need to go to someone? <laughs> I grew up in a family where most of my family eats healthy. I mean, my grandmother probably eats perfectly. Like she's like everything in moderation. I mean, 
so I was like, well, why don't you just eat like, you know, be like her and you'll be fine. Or I was very tough on myself. You don't need to do this. Um, but it actually was like super worth the investment in time, um, to help avoid a very big medical thing I was going to have to go through otherwise. And that's not, I mean, everyone's not like that. Like I'm not obviously a doctor or giving medical advice. Like everyone has their own, has to figure out their own way to get through whatever their challenges they have. But um, what, what uh, let me ask you this? I know you were the one who's asking questions, but how no, did you <laughs> how did you actually arrive to the point that you decided, yeah, I need like professional help versus trying it on your own? Because I think people are trying, and and that's great. Actually, I think it's it's uh, it, it's a good way to go to first try it on your own, right? But after you have tried something on your own for uh several times and it's not working out how do you decide that it's time to go and ask for some help and where do you look for that help yeah i mean i i had done it on my own i had been dealing with these issues for like eight years on and off and i had gone to different doctors but frankly the doctors just kind of told me eat more fiber drink more water get exercise. That was kind of the parting line that I always got. And it didn't really go any deeper than that. And I think a few of them had recommended, oh, you could also go see a nutritionist or a dietitian. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, well, I don't need, like, I feel like I know enough about what's healthy, what's not, that I don't really need um, that help. I think it was this last, I went to the doctor in like July or something and she was great and she was super helpful, but she, you know, it was like clear, like, okay, like if this, if some of the um, solutions that she was offering weren't going to work, that surgery was going to kind of have to be the next thing. And I really was like, that seems very extreme. I really don't want to go through that. Um, and so she was like, well, you could also, you know, if it's helpful talk to a nutritionist, she was like, I think you were fairly well informed about food and, and healthy eating, but you know, you never know it might help. And I kind of at that point was like, yeah, I, I don't know how much more I'm going to learn turns out I was wrong. I did learn a ton that I did not know. So I was very, I was much, um, had too much hubris there for sure. Uh, but, um, I think it was just like, I was like, you know what, I've already spent so much time and money, like trying to combat this. Like I was like, I'll just try it a couple times with a nutritionist and see like at worst I, I lose a little bit of money, a little bit of a couple hours of my time, but why not at this point? Like I was willing to try every, anything. I was like, maybe acupuncture was going to be helpful too. I like looked at that. I don't know how that would have helped, but I was like, I'll really throw, like if I can avoid surgery, I'll really try anything. Um, so that was kind of that. And then to find you, I think I just Googled like nutritionists in the area and you had good ratings. So I just and then reached out to you. Um, okay. All right. But I think it was like, it, I mean, it definitely took a long time for me to get to that place. It didn't come easily for sure. Um, but wish I had like found it earlier. That's what I'll say. So I didn't have to live with this for like basically a decade. Um, so anyways, but I guess to wrap up any last um, words or things you wanted to share um, before we go? No. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, explore. I think, I think maybe, um, to be open to to get some help from uh, outside and get a different perspective is, is not a bad way to go. And if you can, you know, um, my suggestion would be 
again, if you consider getting professional help or like uh, a help from a nutritionist or dietitian, do reach out and talk to them before you uh, embark on this um, journey because uh, it is what there are so many different opinions out there. We're all human beings. We're all, we all kind of follow our heart and our uh, yes knowledge, but the nutritional science is really uh, at its infancy and <laughs> we're learning new things every, every day. Um, and a lot of the things we recommend is kind of more of an opinion or anecdotal uh kind of our personal experience with things and our client our clinical experience with things so you really need to find somebody who you can trust and the and uh, find a good fit with yeah. uh, with your uh nutritionist yeah i th i think that's true and i mean i will say one thing is that eating healthier for me it definitely does affect a lot of your of your life. I mean, can have a really big impact. I know that's mm -hmm. maybe cheesy to say, but um, uh, you know, just mental health, other parts of health, um, mood. Uh, it really can um, be really, really helpful. Uh, more than I more than I thought. Um, so yeah, well, that's. It's been great to talk to you and get a chance to speak with you again. Um, I always thank ask you very much. Yeah, no, thank you for your time. <laughs> this is um, my podcast. <laughs> well, I'm honored to be your first your first yeah. podcast. I'll share your information, um, but to those listening, um, Olga, what is the website that they can reach you at, or how could they get a hold of you? Yes, so my website. I mean, you can can always like if you are in DC or you can uh, uh, Google Olga Fonsky Nutritionist DC, and I'll be there. But my website is food-remedies.com, and yeah, that's uh, uh, the best way to find me. Great. Um, lastly, I always ask all my guests at the end of the episode if there is anything interesting they're reading, listening, music they're listening to, TV show they're watching, or book they're reading um, that they might recommend to anyone else. If if not, that's okay too. But anything um, that's been on your mind lately that you enjoy? <laughs> well, you know, because I guess maybe um, I've been listening to, I've been listening to this, uh, oh, I can't remember her name, uh, to this uh, uh, psychologist and she talks about anxiety because there's a lot of anxiety that I find in my clients and uh, uh, she's so amazing. She's on YouTube. Amy, oh shoot, I can't remember her name. I'm well, we'll, we'll find the name and, and add it. Okay, yes, I'll add it. So yeah. I think she's really, really um, uh, helpful and has a lot of very tangible and really hands-on recommendations on how to improve your mental and emotional state uh, and well-being. Yes. Awesome. Great. And um, what have I been listening or reading. I, I just watched a great TV show called Lupin um, on Netflix. I don't know if anyone else has watched it, but I recommend that. It's a fun uh, kind of like Ocean's Eleven Thomas Crown Affair uh, type TV show. And it's in French, which is fine, which is fun for me because it gets to practice my French. So um, recommend that. But 
that's it for now. Um, as always, you can subscribe on the uh, podcast or go to the website at walletstreet.squarespace.com. And thanks everyone for uh, listening. Bye-bye.